Listener Production. Hello and welcome to Willow Talk. Adam Peacock here with Brad Haddon, cross-country traveller. How are you, Hads? I don't, I'm a bit weary, actually. I've gone from Perth to Adelaide and, and back on, on the 6 o'clock flight from Adelaide to, to get to here. But what exciting 24 hours it's been. Whew. Oh, yeah. We've got a bit to talk about here. We're going to go over the IPL auction. And um, yeah, it was a reasonably successful evening for Mitch Stark and Pat Cummins. And we'll speak to one of them shortly. We're also going to speak to Elisa Healy from Mumbai because the women's test match gets underway against India. And we're going to finish our final studio of the uh, studio show of the year with another edition of Ask Hads. And there's been some beauty sent through on social media. But before we get into it, thanks to everyone who's given us a rating or review on the various podcast platforms. We're at 186 ratings on Spotify, so close to 200. Hopefully we can break through that before the end of the year. Thank you for those ratings and get in touch with us on social media. Like Kyle McNess has, Kyle says, just listen to ads on Rises and Fallers talk about cyclists in Perth. If it's the path around the city and Optus Stadium, Hads was probably running on the cycling path when there's a running path right near it. He deserved the spray if that was the case. Oh, I'll, I'll spray straight back to Kyle. I was running on the running path, you goose. Do you think I'm that stupid? <laughs> Mate, these people in Perth are different. Let's get to a man who cares zero for all of that right now because he's got a few zeros next to his name after uh, the IPL auction the other night. Mitch Stark joins us right now. Uh, Mitch, has the smile left your dial since Tuesday evening? Yeah, I managed to sneak a sleep in or two, but um, yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Good to chat again. (laughs) Mate, run us through watching that or I don't know how you were taking it in, whether or not you ignored it or you were watching on the telly because KO were were showing it or you were taking it in somewhere – other else, mate, it, take us through that process when it kept on going up and up and up and up and through the record. Yeah, I I, I planned not to watch it. I didn't want to. Uh, and then being the fourth group, it, it sort of the night was prolonged and cooked dinner and it was on the TV and then the storm blew inside, so didn't up walking the dogs, which I planned to do while I was on. So I ended up watching it all. And then Elisa, as you mentioned it before, she's over in India with the girls and their coverage was a little bit ahead of ours in Australia. So I was getting updates from her on when I came out <laughs> and then some of the numbers and I was getting messages from Dan Vittori and I started ignoring him because all their coverage was ahead of mine and I got uh, going through the, the nervous part about whether I'd get a bid or not to then going, holy crap. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. But firstly, Starkey, I just want to say congratulations because you made a big sacrifice to, to your test career over the, I think it's been six years since you've been involved in IPL. So you, you deserve this day. So first and foremost, well done. But when Paddy came out at, at uh, 3.6, you must have been sitting there going, oh, I'm going to hit five million. <laughs> oh, well, thanks for that, Hads. It's, um, <laughs> yeah, not, not sacrifices, yeah. but made some choices, which I don't regret at all. I think it's probably helped my test career. So um very happy with how it's all gone and but yeah it's uh as i said i was pretty nervous i think um a few few bowlers come out in the all-rounders so i think um patty might be adding batting eight in the next test match because uh, he's an all-rounder now apparently but um <laughs> no you never never quite know i think um you'd know that as well you never quite know what happens in auctions or or in the ipl and take nothing for granted it's you know it's all about timing and, and when your name comes up in the auction and, and what teams have got left over. So very grateful to have some interest in the auction and, um, yeah, excited, thrilled, uh, surprised. 
There's plenty of words you can describe the night, I think. <laughs> you can divulge whatever you want here, nothing or something, but uh, the the Australian Test Cricket Team group chat, if there is such a thing on, on WhatsApp, what was the uh, – who was the most vocal or – most yeah out there message from on that and and the tone of it you could probably guess who was the most vocal on that chat he wasn't even involved in the auction so yep there you go Worn up. <laughs> <laughs> it was quite active uh our little bowlers chat was active as well it turned into after paddy's auction it was you might need some cotton wool and which pub you're going to to right oh come on where we're we going uh to the team chat probably saying it's come out my shout for the rest of the summer. So um, <laughs> there, might, there might be a few things said <laughs> through the week in Melbourne it's around Christmas time. But no, it was, um, I think you're throwing a few names there with, with uh, obviously Spence and, and Jai as well and, and a few others. It's been a, a pretty successful night for the Aussies. Uh, Starky, I know it's just some time away. Is there any ex- expectations now around performance? Do, when you come with a price tag that's never been seen in, in IPL before, I know we had Sam Curran who who broke the the original record and he was pretty chilled through the whole process. But is there expectation now going over there that hang on a minute, I have to do something different, or you just got to try to keep things as normal as possible? I think that expectation comes with with the territory. I think as soon as you you go for a, a substantial amount of money or you're one of the the higher played players in a team, uh, I think that that expectation is going to be there ever, ever <laughs> highest paid player ever. <laughs> And we picked it here too, by the way. Yeah, Bradley picked it, didn't he? When you said in this very studio, Starkey, that uh, you're going back in, Brad, quick as a flush, you're going to be the record breaker. <laughs> yeah, so I think um, certainly comes with the territory. I think if if I was a bit younger and had had the, I think there's some of the experiences I've had, it probably it probably affect me differently. But having been through plenty of ups and downs along the the road and the journey they've been on, I think you probably take it in stride in a little bit, but also knowing that the fan bases of, of the IPL teams are, are rather large and, and can be vocal at times. So uh, <laughs> it's part of the experience. I'm sure I'll ride the wave of the good and the bad and, and hopefully more good times than, than the bad. But, um, yeah, it's all part and parcel, isn't it? With him listening, with Mitchell listening, obviously, had just take us through, you, you know the auction so well because you're involved with Punjab with Trevor Bayless and they were bidding and you were going to make a, a play at Mitch but it got too much because you have a salary cap. But why is someone like Mitch and also Pat just ultra valuable? Well, first and foremost, it's just their performance. They've done it for a number of years now under pressure on the big stage. I think Starkey's gone through – a couple of World Cups, you can correct me if I'm right or wrong here, but he's been leading wicket-taker both times. He's been player of the tournament in a couple of them. And someone like Starkey, for example, in the IPL, one, you can bowl with the new ball, two, he can bowl in the middle, and he's the best in the world at the death. So he's a proven match winner. So that's what teams look at, that sort of value, and Starkey and Paddy have that in spades. So it's no shock that they both went for big numbers. The role is obviously bowl your four overs as well as you can in each and every game that you play, Starkey. But with something like this, does it also come with a, a certain mentorship or an expectation around the cricket as well? Yeah, I, I'd assume so. Um, I haven't had any of those conversations as yet. Still very, very raw. But, yeah, no doubt being a you know a, a more experienced player, I guess you call it, or an older guy. And looking at the list at KKR, there's some, some young bowlers there. So, yeah, I'm sure that's part of, of probably – a role that I'll play with the group. First, it's it's about executing a skill on the field, but certainly being a an overseas player, which you know I've, I've 
done a, a couple of stints as an overseas player, whether it be IPL or, or in England or even around the Australian group as a senior guy. It's 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 sort of a, an un, unspoken title or, or role that you play, I think, and it's just part of, of uh, handing on some experience in the group that you, you're in at the time. So, yeah, one I look forward to and, and having had Greeny under, like Cameron Green under the wing, I think, a little bit, or he's a bit taller than I am anyway, but a similar sort of role, I think, um, <laughs> in just imparting some wisdom, I guess, or some experience on, on some younger guys when, when asked. Josh Hazelwood as well. Now, obviously, his situation is a bit different because he wasn't sure how much of the tournament he could play. There's a bit of a question mark there with the, the birth of a child and whatnot. But it was a bit like the poor guy. It was like you've you got this headline act at a music festival. They've ripped the stage up. The crowd's into it and blah, blah. And then poor old Joshy comes out the next one and nada, nothing. No one wants to get involved, a little unsure of his situation. You feel for him a bit? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, obviously having spoken to Josh about it anyway, he was only going to be available for, for the – the back end couple of weeks I think so uh, that's not to say he won't be involved I think being in the auction means he can come in as a, re- a replacement player so sometimes as a replacement player you get get a blank check in front of you too so you never know what, what can happen come April and May you might have a, a blank check from the Punjab Kings or something like that so win-win for Joshy in a way he gets to uh, spend some time at home with the, obviously the birth of his first child uh, has a little bit of a break from cricket might come into contention as a replacement player and then then a lead up to the World Cup so yeah it's sort of uh, in, in one hand feel for him that he's, he's not been picked up but in the, the other side I think that was either in the plans for him or, or he was aware of the situation with it all as well. Fair enough. And Hads, I've got to congratulate you on your professionalism on the Fox Cricket coverage on Tuesday evening as well because you had your phone pinging left, right and centre from Trevor Bayliss and you're actually calling a big bash, man. So well done. You kept your concentration. Mate, I was, I was uh, had only half an eye on the big bash. I was watching Starkey's numbers come up in the in the corner. But the excitement around you obviously getting taken and Paddy and we, we see Travis Head for the first time is gone for some, some big dollars as well. But there's also the other side where, where a player like Steve Smith gets no bids. Um, that's a bit of a shock stuff. Yeah, it was. You know, he's obviously been a, a high-caliber player for, for a long year, long time now, and he's had a few cracks at the IPL. I think he's been involved in a few different teams that he's had seasons where he's not gone, seasons where he's been passed in, and, and another one where he'll end up probably spending April and, and May in New York. So another win-win, I think, for him. But, yeah, it's it's sort of the nature, I think, has, as you know, with the mini auctions and, and teams are looking for certain yep. things. And this year round, it looked like teams had refreshed their list to a, to a way to look at, at fast bowlers. So, um, yeah, that's not to say that Steve won't be involved in future seasons. It's just uh, this year, I think, teams are probably looking for those, those bowls. Mitch, just a quick one on the test. Went so well in Perth. As a general rule, it, it, I feel a bit for the Australian cricket team when things are going really well in the sense that the, the wider sporting public look at it and go, oh, it's Pakistan, you should be beating them on home soil. But it was, it was a pretty complete performance. Do you feel any of that inside the group from outside or is it you're just looking at each other going, yeah, we couldn't have got that any better pretty much? Probably more of that that second one. I think um, you can't call any any series a lesser series or – however you want to term it, they're, they're all internationals. They're games for Australia and, and, yes, we want to win them as well as we can and we, we, we don't apologise for winning winning well. So internally it was, you know, a tick in the box in in the fact that I think we all all performed our job the way we wanted to. There was little things we can still iron out but I think uh, a pretty well-rounded performance for the first test of, of the summer and coming off the back of a of a, a big World Cup stint for I think nine of us in that team. It was it was nice to to see runs, to see wickets, um, 
you know, good in the field. I think we're we're 100% catching, I think. So, yeah, all very good boxes ticked for the first test of the summer and hopefully uh, roll on to, to Melbourne. Saki, I thought it was a great start. I, I thought yous were ab- absolutely brutal when the game was there to be won. You, you turned up the the class, the, the bowlers, and, and bowl Pakistan um, out for under 100. But th- there's one thing I, I chatted to you on one of the mornings, and I thought it was a, a really mature thing um, you did, and, and it goes a long way to young kids understanding what their game's about. You, you didn't feel right in a session out there. You quickly went off, grabbed the ball, and in the break, you, you went out the nets by yourself. What, what were you looking for there? Yeah, it was, a, it was an interesting one. I kind of um, – I was searching a little bit for the right feel or not so much the rhythm. I, I felt like the rhythm to the crease was was going well. I got to the crease well and then something wasn't quite working the way it should in, in whether it was my gather or my action and sort of meant that the radar was a little bit off and I was a bit around myself and it sprayed a few with the second new ball. So something wasn't quite feeling right and I couldn't quite work it out on the field. I'm generally not too bad at that and I couldn't quite work it out. And at uh, the end of the end of the first innings, quickly grabbed a few balls in the break and went out the back just to try and try and work it, work out what was wrong and try and fix that for the second innings. And, <laughs> and it only took sort of a dozen, two dozen balls just to work out that it wasn't my front side, it was actually my bowling um, path. So... Um, I think I had Dan and, and Andrew McDonald chase me out the nets wondering what the hell I was doing. But um, no, I just needed while I was, yeah, yeah, while I was, uh, while I was warming and still had my bowling spikes on, I wanted to work it out there rather than spend the night thinking about it. And it's a pretty special test for for your little mate, uh, your golf partner. He got he finally got his uh, 500th test wicket. He got over that calf injury. We all thought his leg was going to fall off. But <laughs> it, it, it's a pretty sacred um part of the game and and it's not something Australian cricketers talk about but it must have been a, a pretty special team song with with Nathan finally getting to 500 yeah it was uh obviously being the song master himself he, he allows himself to be a little self-indulgent sometimes which he doesn't he doesn't do on camera he's quite a <laughs> humble person but allows himself to have yeah. that little you know 30 seconds of self-indulgence as uh a 500 wicket ta- 500 test wicket taker and get to have a little bit of, of praise to himself. So, um, you know, one that he he's certainly very proud of and, and as a close mate, I'm, I'm sure you and I are both very proud of him as well. And he's, uh, he's a constant thinker of the game and, and a very nervous character. And it's amazing that someone can sit there with 499 test wickets and still wonder where the 500th is coming from. So, um, yeah, credit to him and his work ethic and his, <laughs> his desire to keep getting better. Um, and hopefully there's, you know, I think a few of us said to him out there on the field, this is only 199 to go. <laughs> <laughs> Mitch, thanks for joining us, mate, and a pretty uh, good week for you and the family with Elisa over there uh, captaining the Australian side against India and, and you making sure that the Christmas present when she get, gets back is going to be of quality, I would imagine, and I dare say whoever draws you, if you have it, for Secret Santa with the, with the team on uh, on Christmas Day. As well, they'll be pretty happy uh, getting M Stark. Oh, I'm glad it's only a twenty-five dollar cap for the Secret Santa, so it's easy. <laughs> <laughs> Nicely done, well done, uh, Mitch. Well done, mate. It's totally deserved, and congratulations again. And um, go well in the Boxing Day test. Thanks, gentlemen. Always a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Proud of you, Starkey. Well done. Cheers. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah, very good of Mitch to to come on and uh, with a lot of satisfaction about him. And just on, like people look at it and go, "Wow, that's that's a ridiculous amount of money for a two month tournament." Put that aside. So each year, there's 1.6 billion Aussie dollars 
paid by TV companies in India to IPL organizers. And that's obviously distributed throughout the, the franchises and everything. So you're looking at it proportionately to what is spent on the playing group. And there is a salary cap and Mitch has taken up a bit of a chunk <laughs> of the, the Kolkata one. But you, you look at it, it's not ridiculous. It's not unsustainable because it's sustainable because of what the value is of the tournament. So it's the economy that they exist in and that's how it's come about that these huge prices have been given to two guys in particular, Pat and Mitch, who are at the top of their game and, and got a reputation as such. And it's only getting bigger and bigger. With the popularity in India, it's not going to stop there. But just going back to Starkey a little bit, I've got to take my hat off to Mitchell Stark. He's the best white ball bowler in the world. Mm. We've seen that in World Cups. He's been leading wicket taker. He said no to IPL now for the best part of six years to concentrate on being the best test bowler he can possibly be. And to finally put himself in, he, he could have been getting this sort of money for the last five years, mm. but but he's he hasn't sacrificed. He, he's wanted to make test cricket uh, a priority. Playing for Australia means so much and, and leaving a legacy here um, with, with his performance is always been in the forefront of his mind. So to get this payday now, one, it's deserved because he is the best white ball bowler in the world, but he's he's given up a lot to mm. to get to this moment. So why did you buy him with Punjab? Well, we had money aside, just not five million. <laughs> <laughs> it's not enough. It's not enough. But he said there about Josh, for instance, and Blank, so it's not over yet. These aren't the, the lineups or the squads that will be there on night one of the IPL when it starts at the end of March. There's a little bit of horse trading that can go on with, with transfers and also pickups if there's injuries or unavailability all of a sudden. Yeah, and Josh, um, he, he made it clear he's, he's staying home for the birth of his first child. He, he's been at the IPL and, and been really successful uh, over the last couple of years. So, yeah, there's an opportunity. He may get picked up at, at the back end if there's injuries. Yeah, we, we might feel sorry for him now, but as Starkey said, he, he might get a blank check for three weeks' work. <laughs> Hopefully he does. <laughs> Hope Hopefully so. he does pay for some uh, – Nappies, absolutely. Now, early in the week, I caught up with uh, Australian women's team captain Elisa Healy, part of the show of Willow Talk. While Hads was off jetting around the countryside, I caught up with uh, Midge to talk about the first test against India in Mumbai, which starts today. And also, this chat was done before the IPL auction, but you can imagine her reaction to the IPL auction as well. Uh, here she is, the Australian women's test captain, Elisa Healy. Captain, thank you for your time. Uh, busy schedule in the lead up to a test match. How's the tour been so far and preparations going well for uh, the start of what will be a hell of a game of cricket by the looks? <laughs> yeah, it's actually been a really uh, exciting couple of days. Obviously, a little bit of red ball practice, which is unusual for us. But yeah, everyone's preparing really well. Um, excited for, for what's going to unfold in the next week and a bit. Um, obviously, we're we kept a close eye on the England-India test match, which ended very dramatically, uh, very quickly, I should say. Mm. But we'll have to wait and see what sort of conditions that they throw at us at 1K, but um, it's looking really good so far. Yeah, we'll have a, a little discussion about that a bit later on. But the general excitement over there in India about the series and taking on Australia, the, the world champion, unconquerable, it seems, Australia, it, it's set up nicely for what could be a really competitive suite of games. Yeah, well, I don't think anyone really knows we're here yet, but um, apart from that, it should be pretty good. I think the Indians actually came in um, to the hotel yesterday, so I think uh, once they start arriving, people start asking a few more questions as to why we're all here. Um, 
But I think building on the back of the England series, um, there's a bit of a hype at the moment about, this, in particular, the Indian team and a bit of talk about Test cricket over here, which I think is really exciting. And for us, it's uh, it's an opportunity to to play against uh, a really, really good side in a format we're really unfamiliar with. But obviously, with six white ball games um, following, it's um, it should be a really really tightly fought contest and, and one that uh, every time we come over here and play, it's it's always good fun to be a part of. So, um, yeah, hopefully the, the hype continues to build. I think, you know, Test cricket is an interesting one over here that every time I've seen it on the TV in Australia, not, not too many people tend to turn up to the game to watch, but there's obviously a lot of talk about it on the telly and um, I think that's hopefully we can continue getting people talk about it. Practice match takeaway. So what, what did your side and you personally get out of uh, the – little hit out you had in the lead up to this uh well the wicket didn't turn so um that was the first yep. uh the first lesson and potentially the first uh misconception that we might find ourselves facing come thursday but to be fair though i think the the wicket i think that we're playing the test match on is only a couple across from from the one that we played on so we're pretty lucky to have been able to play a practice game on the on the square that the test match will be on and i think that one looks a little bit drier, probably a little less grass than what we played on the the practice game. But I think from just playing on a 50-over game on that could potentially mean that day one's going to be really crucial. And I think, yes, you probably want to win the toss and bat first and bat well. But in saying that, I think you could take some early wickets on that on that first day with a little bit of grass on the wicket and the, the pace bowlers that we've got. So... Um, day one could could set up the game, and I think we saw that in the other game as well. That um, you know, if you if you get the opportunity to bat first and you bat really well, it's going to get harder and harder to play on. So, other than that, uh, everyone looked in really good touch. I think you know Beth Mooney, Phoebe Litchfield at the top of the order got us off to a really good start before before getting retired. I felt like they did all the hard work and were about to cash in and got retired, um, so that the rest of us could get a hit. But everyone looks in really good touch. I think um, everyone's got their own individual plan to how they're going to combat whether it be the paces or the spinners. So I think I'm excited to see what, you know, everyone brings come Thursday. Yeah, you half half century run a ball, batting at five. Beth took the gloves. Is that how it's going to look like in the uh, in the test or you you got gloves on for the test? What's going on? Uh, I, I will have gloves on in the test match. I think we were just sort of – I hadn't caught a lot of cricket balls. Actually, I hadn't caught any cricket balls before – got on the plane over here so just sort of easing my way back into it trying to limit the, the amount of damage that I'm going to do to myself but yeah Moon's thankfully obliged and said I'll do it considering she's been keeping for the last eight, eight weeks in WBBL so um, no I'll take mm. the gloves on during the week and let her just focus on making as many runs as what she can. Fair enough. Just on that pitch um, Hads has mentioned before and I think you mentioned it during the World Cup as well there's the the black soil and the red soil on, on the same uh, squares over there so you're saying that you're expecting I think it's the red soil that turns a bit more, that at the Wonketi, and then you've got Pythagoras's theorem coming into play after day two when it's just turning around corners. Well, I think the from all reports, the, the red soil kind of just gets dusty. It, um, it sort of goes that way instead of the black soil, which breaks up into pieces and tends to um, like sort of disintegrate that way. So I'm pretty sure we played on a red soil wicket the other day and I'm, I'm almost positive that the wicket, we're not 100% certain what wicket we're going to be playing on, mm. but if it's the one that's right in the middle that they seem to be preparing, I think it's going to be really similar. It's just got a little less grass on it than what um, what we just played on. So, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if day one it's beautiful and then it just starts to disintegrate um, pretty quickly over time, especially with the amount of um, foot traffic coming that will be coming through. So the right-handers outside the off-stump 
could be really interesting, which, you know, brings Lauren Cheadle into play um, in our side, which I think is really exciting. Yeah, who who took four for in that um, practice match with, uh, and reading here on, on cricket.com.au with the reporter that's over there, that there's a possibility of four spinners being involved in the 11. Now, that's unusual from an Australian perspective, <laughs> but maybe required with what's ahead. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see which way that we lean on. I think all four spinners can bat, so I think we're at a huge advantage that we're not shortening a batting lineup by playing four spinners or actually probably lengthening it, if anything. And we've got three fast bowlers in our top six um, that can bowl with a new ball if need be. So we've got a plethora of options, which we're really blessed with. It'll just be purely based on how we're going to take 20 wickets and win a test match and, and what that combination is going to look like. 347 run win for India over England. That's that's a margin. Um, what did you make <laughs> of India's performance in that and, and how did uh, they just absolutely thump the English? Well, it, I find it really funny because I guess that's why you come over here and, you know, you play a five-match test series. I think for for an Australian side, probably an, an English side as well, it's so foreign, these conditions, that you kind of want to be able to adapt over time and to get one crack at a test match in extreme conditions. It's kind of a little bit unfair to say mm. the least, but... Yeah, interestingly, it was the Indian batters got out a lot to the spinners with a lot of overspin and a lot of bounce, whereas the the English batters got out to the spinners with a lot of side spin. So Deep Disharma was getting the ball to rag sideways as an offie, which yeah isn't much fun to face. So yeah, I think <laughs> India played really well, and I think that they're, they're used to these conditions. They've got coaching staff that have played in these conditions, and and basically were guiding their players through through the whole process as to you know how to approach it and. And like I said, you, you've got to adapt really quickly. It's a four-day test match. Um, you don't really have any time to, to sit back and think, oh, how could I have done things better? It's literally learning on the fly. So tough work for the English, but at the same time, I guess we can take a few lessons out of that and go adapt mm. a few plans as to how we can approach it. Those uh, those spinning conditions sound like facing Uncle Bert in the backyard on Christmas Day <laughs> yeah. with, the, with the pitch that's kind of like on the, on the half slope and some go down and don't bounce and some go straight through. So... Good luck with that. It sounds like uh, a lot of fun. Um, there was a photo also from that practice match that you guys played. We're running drinks and lollies. So, um, yeah, you've, it, are they? Did you have to take everything over there in terms of lollies, or is there local delicacies that you've uh, you've got involved with and everyone's loving? Um, actually, I don't know where the lollies came from, but they only came down about half time, and the staff had already ravaged half of the packet. So by the time it got <laughs> out to the girls, there wasn't too many left. But, yeah, lots of options over here. But, yeah, I actually um, haven't run drinks for a, for a small period of time. It was good fun. It was actually Elise Perry and I, but she decided to get physio halfway through and didn't run the drinks after that. So it was just me carrying the bags Too for smart. a while. <laughs> <laughs> Too smart, jeez. Too smart. On the culinary theme as well. So there's this big thing, Suzette's Crepe Cafe, which is around the corner from where you're staying in Mumbai. It's world famous, especially with Australian cricketers. They love just sneaking out of the hotel, one of the few places they can go and welcome with open arms. This place is, yeah, it's got quite the aura in cricket circles. Been there, we, you're welcomed greatly, big smiles, all of that. Yep, already been there. I think we've already ticked off maybe four of the five frequented cafes in Mumbai that the Aussies um, go mm. to. We spent a lot of time here during WIPL um, and we were here this time last year as well. So they, they, they're they very much used to us. We did laugh though because we eat at odd times compared to 
a lot of the local people over here. So we're often early to everywhere. So we were very early to Suzette's the other night for our dessert crepe. And they weren't ready for us, but they welcomed us in, turned the aircon on for us and, and made sure our crepes came out in, in quick time. So oh, nice. we're very lucky. Yeah, crepes, quick thing to think. Have, have you dropped anything to the locals along the lines of unlucky in that Men's World Cup final? Or you <laughs> kept that... I'll tell, tell you what, I've kept that quiet, but what is happening over here at the moment is the whole Rohit Sharma, Hardik Pandya, Mumbai Indians chat. And so there's a lot of a lot of drama, a lot of conspiracy, a lot of chat going around about that already. And with the IPL option happening as well, there's just more and more chat about that. So it's um, it's actually a really mm. fascinating time to be here in Mumbai and see it all unfold. Yeah, a bit of chat in your household, I dare say, on the uh, on the messages with your husband too. But we're, as we sit here and record this, it's before the IPL auction. So fingers crossed for both of you, uh, that goes well. And, and the next couple of days, you're focused, obviously, wholly and solely on the, the test match. Um, best tourist so far? Have you got one? Or everyone kind of still settling in? Oh, everyone's still settling in a little bit. Uh, there's been a, a little bit of food poisoning go around the group already, which is hilarious. Oh, no. um, well, everyone's been pretty good. I think Beth Mooney's been on the um, on the restaurant hunt so of an evening, so I'll go with her. She's been in fine form, taking us everywhere. So I'll go with her at the moment. But other than that, everyone's everyone's going really well. Gee, what a member to have in the squad. Here, have the gloves. I can't be bothered keeping in this tour match. Yeah, go and find us somewhere to eat. Thanks, Beth. You're a legend. Unreal. <laughs> She'll perform, no doubt, in the test match as well. And lastly, as well, um, have you have you got it inside your head exactly how opening day will play as a captain, especially if you're in the field? Or is it a case of certain things I can lean on, but just reacting to conditions as they develop? Oh, look, I'm 100% um, certain that I'm going to lose the toss of ball. So I, I have it, it hasn't <laughs> even crossed my mind that we're going to be batting on day one. It's just never going to go my way. But I'm actually excited by that prospect. I mean, I think we've got some real damage with the new ball um, with, our, with our pace attack that can be done and also the spin attack that we've got to sort of adapting really, really quickly to conditions. So I've got no doubt whatever we do, hopefully we do it well. Um, and if it's a long day in the field, it's a long day in the field. But I think the girls are going to be up for it and just going to enjoy the opportunity to, to run around in our baggy greens in the heat. Can't wait to watch it. Love test matches in India, especially when Australia are playing because there's always something happening. As Hads always says, every ball is an event. So looking forward to it, uh, Elisa. And good luck with the captaincy. You won't need it. And um, yeah, go well. Thank you. Lisa Healy joining us uh, from Mumbai. We're off to a quick break and we're going to ask Hads. That's the segment, Ask Hads, right after this. Yeah, it was good to hear from uh, Lisa. You reckon she should bat up the top? A hundred percent. I think she should open. I, I just think she's that dynamic of a player and, and especially over in those conditions. If she gets going in the first session, um, she's hard to stop. It's the best time to bat in those conditions, her game suits it. But I tell you what, it's a, it's a really special time also for, for Mitch as well because she's been the stand-in captain for some time, not knowing what, what was going to happen with Meg and, and what, what it looked like down the line. So this is the first time she's been officially the, the Australian team captain, not filling in. She puts her own identity now on the team. So, yeah, it's an exciting time to play a test match in, in India and and set your behaviours and, and habits on this team about what you want to stand for. So, yeah, she'll go well, but I'd love it to open the batting. Looking forward to watching that over the next couple of nights. You can catch it on Fox Cricket. There's a bit of big bash on, obviously, and then the lead-up to Boxing Day will be all over it here on Willow Talk. Now, it's time for Ask Cads. Here we go. Hang on a minute. Here we go. 
I thought we were only allowed one of these a year. Bullshit. This is I, your favourite segment. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. I'm calling one a quarter. One per quarter, okay? You can take the piss out of me without having these. <laughs> this is like a council clean-up. You can have two a year. We're going to have four a year. <laughs> these right. your mates. Yeah, well, there's a couple in here. <laughs> no, there's no bad ones here, Hads. We filtered a couple of questionable ones. Mm. One about wicketkeeper gloves in bedrooms. We'll leave that aside here. We'll leave oh, that That right would have been a good answer. Yeah, well, <laughs> I had a good story about that. Anyway, <laughs> no, move no, on. No, no. <laughs> okay, first up, Paddy Chapman. Hads, what do you rate as your best catch? Oh, it's a, a Dorothy Dixon to start here from Paddy. So best catch. Well, I've taken some uh, off Sean Tate, a uh, couple in New Zealand that uh, I was pretty uh, proud of one hand. But the the one that stands out most is in the 2013-14 Ashes. It was at Perth. It, it was off Nathan Lyon. Ben Stokes, um, we know how much of a thorn he can be in our side with, with the bat. Um, he's on 100. We need to win that test match to to get the ashes back. There's an underneath edge of Nathan Lyon. Mm. And for, for a keeper, you're judged on, I think, on how you stand up to the stumps and, and how you present on, on the last day. And and that was the best. There's an underneath edge. It just stuck in the, the gloves. I think everything's got to be right. Um, from a um, technical point of view, you, you've got to be in, in the right position. So, yeah, I carried on a little bit after that one. Everyone's <laughs> sort of going, mate, it's just a little catch off Nathan Lyon. But, yeah, that was my best. A quick tip. For youngsters out there, obviously we won't get to um, become exponents of wicket keeping over some over Christmas because everyone's got an electric wiki. But <laughs> but a quick tip for kids out there, especially when you're standing up to the stumps to a spinner for a wicket keeper. What's the number one tip for you? Move your head and your hands to the ball together. Okay. Don't leave your head behind. You ever tried reading a book and put the book half a foot outside? To your right, it's, it's hard to see. A little bit difficult. Fair enough. Gav Turnbull, GT. Now, this is a mate of mine, okay? Oh, dear. Something a little different. Does Hads play any musical instruments? What's his musical preference? Is he old school rock band in a pub kind of guy or like a home nightclub type situation with the shirt off twirling it above the head? Where does it land? Oh, well, he's picked it there. I'm an Aussie rock man. Um, okay. I, I like grew up listening to In Excess and – Oh, I enjoyed all the the live pub scene, as you as you'd imagine. But the musical instruments, the a funny one. Mm. As a wicketkeeper, I can't imagine it's too easy with a couple of them. Well, I got a guitar once. Yeah. Uh, I just started uh, about uh, a couple of years into state cricket, and we had a lot of time on tour. So I got the gu- guitar, got it all stringed and ready to go, all tuned. And I broke my finger. Oh, awesome. So I couldn't really hold it. So I went into the next Shield game with the broken finger and, and I broke my thumb on the other hand. <laughs> so I've got two broken hands <laughs> and, and a guitar. Yeah. So, yeah, that was uh, that was sitting in the corner of my house for the last 15 years. <laughs> Gathering dust. So I, I played the drums a, a little bit when I was uh, coming through primary school. No um, keyboard in your house either <laughs> well, with your fingers? Well, I can get some interesting tunes when I go to put it on a, a, on a B and hit a, a YD because my hands are so crooked. But, uh, yeah, the, the guitar never worked. Fair enough. Finally, what's your karaoke go-to tune? This one from GT as well. In a warm summer's evening. A train bound for nowhere. You don't need to go through it. Kenny Rogers again. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Fair enough. What's yours? Oh, mine would be an obscure hip-hop tune. Something from Bewitched or something? No. No. It's a, it's a tune called Back Up Off Me by Dr. Dre and Ed Lover. Not the Dr. Dre, some other random. Give us the line. All you little suckers, you can back up off me. 
Yeah, that's a great tune. I thought it might have been the Screaming Jets or something. I want it played at my funeral, actually, as, the, as, the, as, it's going, as I'm going out of the church. Just this hip-hop tune playing. You've got a sick side to yeah, you, haven't I, you? I, who cares? I'm dead. What, what does it matter? <laughs> I'm out. I'm gone. Everyone, enjoy yourselves. Well, that's, a, that's when you're about 85, so that's going to look – you're not going to get the same effect when, when people that age are listening to that sort what, of song. What, do I have to switch genres because I get older? Yep. I have to sh- start shopping for, you know – well, you, you dress differently different. now to when you, you did 15 years ago. Mm, not that much. <laughs> not that much. Nude Blooms sent in a couple, and this is the only one we could share. Oh, dear. Did you make the midwives wear the gloves when they caught your firstborn child? <laughs> well, I tell you what, it was a quick catch. If the yeah. DRS was there, they would have had to go upstairs to see whether I caught it cleanly because – for the first two kids, Karina quickly popped them out and I said, uh, love you both. Yeah. Uh, I'll see you in three months. I've got to go to India. Oh, awesome. What a dad. <laughs> yep. So, what a um, husband. Part of being married to a cricketer. I was there for all births, though. I was there for all three um, births of my kids. Oh, um, just on that, though. Look, it, we laugh about it. Oh, I'll see you later. Yeah, good luck yeah. to the wife. But how difficult was that for the first three months? And a lot of cricketers' wives go through it as well. A lot of sportsmen's wives go through it too. Yeah, I'm here, but I'm out of here now. See you later. I've got to go off on assignment and things like that. It can't be easy. No, it can't. And and, and that's the hard thing about being a professional sportsman. They're, they're the things that, that go unnoticed. You, you see the glamorous side of the game where you see events like um, what happened to Starkey and Camo um, mm. overnight. Uh, you see the test taboos, the Nathan Lyon get 500. But it's those moments where you miss a lot. Mm. Um, you, you miss a lot of family time. You, you miss a lot of weddings, birthdays. Um, even little things, family barbecues. Yeah. Um, you, you miss those because you're on the road so much. But yeah, I I uh, popped the two out and caught mm. them, but it, it could have gone to a DRS because <laughs> I handed them back real quick and had to get on a plane. Fair enough. Okay, enough of the serious stuff then and the questions. Linford Breeze, uh, when flying to other countries, who was the worst person you ever had to sit next to? The worst person. Yeah, not as in a terrible person, just a complete and utter pest. Because you're in a confined space. Well, I, I tell you, you've you've mentioned Doug Bollinger a few times nah, about d- roommate roommates, but <laughs> no, we'll I, I tell you, it, it wasn't a teammate. Actually, it was. Uh, I remember going to India, hmm. and I'm I've got this really good habit where I can hop on the plane and, and I'm asleep before it takes off. Hmm. I just happened to have a, a supporter next to me that wanted to talk cricket. He, he had great stats. He had great knowledge of the game. Hmm. But he didn't understand when my eyes were shut. I wasn't interested in the conversation. <laughs> so uh, there was times where I'd nod off and, and I could sort of still hear him asking questions. So he went for the whole time from Australia to India. We, we went through everything. I, I fell in and out of consciousness. But, mate, at, at some stage I thought thinking, mate, you've got to stop. <laughs> you've got to stop. But it didn't. Was these the Cricket Australia comfy seats as well up the front? I turned left. In? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Thought so. A teammate, oh, I tell you, the one I used to get nervous about was uh, Rhino. Oh yeah, yeah. Because uh, I, I'd never, I didn't like to drink on a flight. He did. Well, he'd say, "Oh, do you want to um, wine or things?" And, and I never did because oh, I didn't like the the feeling when you got there. So mm. I had to pretend I was asleep. I remember reading in Steve Wars one of Steve Wars thirty three tour diaries that he did. Glenn McGrath used to get a, a little block of cheese. And put toothpicks in it and throw it back of heads. Mm. That does that sound like Glenn McGrath? Something he'd do? Yeah, there, there was there was players like that in, in your team where you'd 
fall asleep and they'd, they'd take you – because you take your suit off when you get on. They'd, they'd put your mm. suit in a different uh, position where you couldn't find it when you're about to, to get off the <laughs> flight. So there, there was a lot of players that got um, bored. Actually, there's one from football I've got, I got to recount. Uh, Robbie Slater tells the story of when Graham Arnold, when they were both in the Socceroos and they were flying overseas and Robbie was nodded off. And all of a sudden, he feels this thing across his face. Arnie slapped him and he goes, if I'm not sleeping, you're not sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wonderful have, mate. That, that. that normally happened on the flight home. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, said Brody in Perth, you have to choose to face one, keep to one, or skip one between Brett Lee, Sean Tate, Mitch Johnson. Face one, I'd take Sean Tate. You'd face Sean Tate? Yep. Yep. I'd face Sean Tate. What are you calling him slow? No, well, had, well, it's it's not a great list. It's either <laughs> no, Brett Lee or Mitchell Johnson, yeah. and I still have thoughts in my head what Mitch mm. did to to batters in two thousand fourteen, and, and he's got a really nasty sh- streak in him, Mitch. He he wanted to hurt you. Can I twist this question? Actually, I know it's Seb, and he's thought about it. He's gone skip one, mm-hmm. but instead of putting skip one, put get an enemy to face one. So the worst one of that lot. So okay, you, you you're choosing to face Sean Tate. Which one would you like to keep to? And which one out of Brett Lee and Mitch Johnson would you like an enemy to face? Well, Brett Lee was the best to, to keep to because you you got such a good look at the ball. He yeah, had a beautiful, pure action, yeah. beautiful out swingers. And Mitch is just horrible to face. Oh, <laughs> M- M- Mitch is not fun. <laughs> no. No, nothing fun about Mitch. So <laughs> if I had to send someone in the nets, mm. so if I had to send you or Sam in the nets, I'm sending in against Mitch Johnson. At their quickest... Who had to, who was sta- who were you standing furthest the back to and who's hitting the gloves the most? Well, the quickest I've ever ever seen was yeah. Brett Lee yeah. by by far. I, I kept to Sean Tate when he bowled mm. the one um, six one ball at the MCG. Mm. Brett's game just before he got picked to play for Australia, Boxing Day I think it was against India. Mm. We, we're playing a Shield game at the Wacker. Um, the Wackers were at full strength. Ooh. And I've never, ever seen... The doctor at his shoulder? Oh, I've never seen bowling that quick. I remember Brad Williams running off the wicket and Binger following him. <laughs> and Brad Williams just saying, Binger just hit the effing stumps. <laughs> he, he hit Joey Angel in the arm guard. Oh, so the arm guard did its job. He hit it flush there. Joey Angel took it as well as anyone I've ever seen. Then his arm just started to flop. <laughs> oh, no. And he broke both bones in his arm. Oh. I've never... He bowled a ball in that game... That went. It's only called four buys, but it went over my head, and at the whacker, it hit the fence on the full. I, I've never ever seen anything as quick in my life. And I remember Stephen and Mark were playing because we had yeah. all the test players back. And after his first spell, Stephen just said, "Oh well, he's playing the next test." Yeah. And we said, "You've seen enough." He goes, "I've seen enough after five balls. I've never seen anything <laughs> that quick." I, I've, that was a spell. It was just like, I'd love a gun to be there. That was the quickest I've ever, ever seen. Were you closer to the fence than the stumps? Yeah. I, I remember standing back on the 30-yard circle and Mark Wall, and you can imagine, Junior, yeah. I don't stand this far back for anyone. We said, mate, you stand where you want. <laughs> we, we've seen him the, the last two Shield games, and after three balls, he goes, has he been bowling like this all year? And we said, yep. Yeah. And then basically Stephen just said, mate, you're in the test team. How good. Jared Wilkinson, here we go. As the Australian side is together for most of summer, do you exchange Christmas gifts <laughs> or have secret Santa? Yes is the question of that, Jared, because we had Travis Head yesterday tell one of the great stories about Dave Warner and a gift that David Warner didn't really appreciate. Go back and have a listen to it because it was one of the funnier things that we've had on Willow Talk. But mm. have you got a secret Santa story that you can tell? 
Oh, that narrows it down. That you can tell. Yeah, we, we had a really fun time, I'd like to say, with, with Secret Santa when Darren Lehman was coached. But what happens Christmas Day, you, you go down to, to Crown, Santa Claus comes mm. for the kids, the kids sit around and and then Secret Santa obviously comes out. And and when your name's called, you, you, you're walking up mm. and all of a sudden you, you look around the room and you see one bloke laughing <laughs> and you think... Oh, no, who's that? And you go, oh, and this is Darren Lehman. Or I remember Sean Marsh going up, about to get, get his present, and you hear from the back of the room, don't open in front of the kids. <laughs> <laughs> so that happened a couple of times. Um, so you'd get up there, you're about to open it, then if someone's doing something in the background, they say, oh, who's up? Oh, Hads or Sauce. And you go, oh, hang on a minute. Do not open that while the, <laughs> the kids are sitting down handing the present over. So I, I handed my book out. Oh, did you? <laughs> too? I think I gave it to C. Smith. <laughs> Steve, all the best with your cricket. <laughs> Secret Santa. Regards. But we, yeah, we, we had some good fun with Secret Santa, but you, you had to be very, very ki- careful because it was all about the kids. But Darren Lehman was a pest with Secret Santa. Oh, was he? Even as coach? Yep. Really? Yeah. Setting an example, it turns into a pest. Well, he wanted a reaction out of the player that embarrassed them. <laughs> yeah, he okay. wanted them not just to be embarrassed just one-on-one. He wanted them to be embarrassed in the whole group when <laughs> wives, parents, and kids and, and everyone are there. But I'll say it again. There were times when people yeah, walk yeah. up, <laughs> don't open that now. <laughs> yeah, it hasn't been done as much in the last couple of years apparently, but hopefully it it resumes, especially for anyone who draws Pat Cummins and Mitch well, Stark. There's the, the, the little moments on, on tour. You, you're away from your extended family, um, and it's a good way to, to have a bit of a laugh. Yeah, Darren Lehman took it to a new level. Mm, outstanding. That was Ask Cads, a little edition. We'll do it every quarter. We'll open it up. I want to do a whole episode one day, like 45 minutes of just <laughs> questions for Brad Haddon, getting old stories out as well. Quick one, rises and fallers. We've got any rises and fallers? Obviously, the the rises of the guys in the IPL auction. Yeah, um, yeah we, we didn't had, mention it before. Sorry. Um, yeah. Spencer a, Johnson. Spencer Johnson, uh, 1.78 mil to the Titans. Travis Head to Sunrise as well. Uh, Jai Richardson picked up by Delhi and Ricky Ponting for just nearly uh, a million bucks. And Ashton Turner, that's a bargain as well for luck now. 180 G for uh, 180K for Ashton Turner. Very good T20 player. Yeah. And you know who coaches there? Justin Langer. Justin Langer. Yeah. Of course. Yeah, it was, there was a few of them in that room as well. Um, any other rises and falls? Maybe the faller is Ask Hads. I'd like to ask the listeners mm. wh- whether they like it. So I'm happy to, to scrap no. it. But if the, the numbers come back, they don't want to listen to it anymore. So No, we definitely want to as well. Um, you? What? It seems that the Ask Hads is a bit more about you. <laughs> No, no, I like it. <laughs> exactly <laughs> I it. right. I just get my mates to say, hey, ask him this. What about the touch footy one? The touch footy? Oh, yeah, exactly. You played a lot of touch footy, didn't you? Well, that one was kept quiet for 25 years. I used to sneak down when we were living at Balmoral and playing the Manly Comp. Yeah. And, and I didn't tell New South Wales. It was um, I had a bit of fun down there playing. Cliffy Lyons was in our team, actually. How good. Yeah, he was. A quick one as well from one of the listeners. Which keeper do you like more, Ian Healy or Adam Gilchrist? Now, I had to clarify this as a person or a wicketkeeper, and it was as a wicketkeeper, not as a person. Yeah. So mate, you don't have to – it's not a popularity no, contest. they're both here. rock solid human beings. I, I grew up uh, – a lot of my game was based around watching he, Ian Healy. I, I thought yeah. he was the, the, the best technician of, of wicketkeeping um, I'd ever seen. And, and the stuff he used to do to – up to the stumps to Shane Warne. Um, it was the stuff, a lot of the stuff that, that I mirrored uh, my game around. But uh, Gilly, he, he gets a lot of 
chat about how good his batsman she mm. was. He, he changed the game there, but his wicket keeping was world class. Yep. Um, the, the way he kept to to Warney on last day wickets was was top shelf. So, uh, yeah, they're, they're both highly regarded Glovemen, but Healy was the one that um, when I was coming through, I, I modelled my game on. Two uh, pretty easy ones to follow, really. But you did did all right for yourself there, Hats. Well done. <laughs> well done. Well done. Uh, that's us. Unless you got a faller, you got any fallers? No. Everyone's pretty happy this time of year, I think. Christmas parties and all that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. Christmas parties are on. Yep. You're off to a rooftop in the rain. So good luck with that. <laughs> um, thank you, everyone, for those questions. Thank you for listening as well. That was Willow Talk. We'll be back soon. Hads, have a good one. Stay safe. <laughs>